0: Hey everyone, welcome to In Doubt. This week on the show, we talk to church planter, Kelly Manier about his work with the Forgotten 50 and just how important your personal story can be.
1: Yeah, the Hebrew idea of soul was everything. Heart, mind, soul, strength, the whole of man. That's hugely a need right now. Universities are missing something. It's missing soul, the campuses are. It's missing spirit. It's missing heart and the merge of these three things, coming together to form the whole person.
2: Hello and welcome to In Doubt. My name is Ryan McCurdy, your host. And today we have the pleasure of having Kelly Manier on with us. And he's going to share a little bit of his story. But one of the things that we get into in this podcast is how to communicate the truth of the gospel to a culture that doesn't think it needs it. Maybe you've asked that question. How do you communicate the gospel to a culture and a world that doesn't think they need it? So we're going to look at that question. We're also going to look at what Kelly is a part of with a church plant called the Movement Church and a very interesting conversation regarding the Forgotten 50, around 50 college campuses in North America that are the least reached with the gospel. Take a listen. Welcome, today with me we have Kelly Manier. Kelly lives here in the lower mainland of British Columbia and has recognized the need for the gospel in the greater Vancouver area. In September of 2017, he and his wife created The Movement Church, which focuses on young adults and helping them build their foundation in the word. So right now, Kelly is involved with the students at the University of the Fraser Valley and uh, helps to run an alpha film series on campus, but that's just the beginning of his story. There's probably a lot more. So, Kelly, thanks for being here. Would you be able to share a little bit more of what you're up to, what you're about, and maybe how you got here? Sure, sure. Uh, My wife and I, uh, when my daughter
1: was three, four years old, we, we moved from Portland, actually, to Saskatchewan. And I began to lead student ministry for about 15 Baptist churches in the area. I became a chaplain at the University of Saskatchewan and led student ministry there for about five years with the International Mission Board, my, my employer. So we, uh, at that point, were invited to move to B.C., here to lower mainland. So in 2002, we came up to, uh, you know, we lived in Richmond initially. Mm-hmm. Then we started to do some work at UBC. Uh, that led to an opportunities more at, at SFU. And when we got to SFU, I realized that uh, the Highlanders, you know, the SFU Highlanders, mm-hmm. uh, Scottish influence. And yeah. uh, that uh, I'd, I'd been in Scotland. I'd been a youth pastor in Scotland a few oh, years cool. prior. So I realized, you know, I love this campus. And we landed on that campus. We started a church called the Point Church, still there and uh, doing a great job and um, we just fell in love with the Lower Mainland. Everything about it we love, you know, the mountains, the ocean, the sea, the people, the cosmopolitan nature, the culture, everything we we absolutely love. We were here for about 10, 11 years, uh, raised our kids in the Lower Mainland uh, and then we were invited to move to Russia and had the privilege to move to Moscow, Russia and begin to do, well, they asked me to be the virtual strategy coordinator which meant building partnerships with churches all across Canada and the U.S. to help with church planting all across Russia. So it was a great assignment. We dove into language school, and I realized that's the hardest thing I've ever attempted in my life, (laughs) learning (laughs) Russian. And anyways, uh, we were there for three years and made the tough call to come back home to the Lower Mainland. We'd become Canadian citizens as well, so uh, we were just thrilled to come back and pick up our work where we left off in terms of uh, reaching students for Christ and impacting this province and all of Canada, we hope, with the gospel, particularly university communities. That's our passion.
2: Okay, so university communities are, it sounds like, at the heart of what you're about. And you, like you've said, you've done quite a bit of extensive work with university communities and helping them get a sense of direction in terms of how to be understanding the gospel in their local university campus and what it means for them to be followers of Christ. A question that I have for you is what, in your experience, has been some of the biggest factors or things that would take away from university students, young adults, from engaging in the gospel. You could go any number of directions with that question. I, I think that for many students
1: these days, that uh, they're dealing with so many questions and challenges. Things like, you know, what is truth? Is it true that what Buddhism says? Is it true what Hindu people say? I mean, who's got the monopoly on truth? You know, and so they're they're asking a question after being bombarded by global media, uh, internet things. Uh, you know, they they have this sense of, well, who's right? How can Christians? claim exclusive truth? And that's a tough question to answer. And uh, one of the best answers for that question is, well, let me tell you my story. Because uh, our stories of how God has totally impacted our life ring true to this generation. So we, we love to share our story. And we love to hear theirs as well. It's not just about you know being a one-way conversation where we're saying, this is what you need to, to get to. This is the truth. Uh, we, we want to hear where they're coming from as well and validate them where we can, because they need that as well.
2: Yeah, it sounds like a lot of young adults are, you know, maybe wrestling with what they believe in terms of truth internally. I mean, so much is in the public sphere of, you know, social media, and the news is all over the place, and we we all are, you know, individually news broadcasters with our cell phones, right? And so we are able to capture information, but we don't necessarily wrestle with that information in public. We wrestle with it internally and i think that piece of story i'd love to probe into that a little bit because i think you know we look at the word in in the book of revelation we see that how do we overcome we overcome by the blood of the lamb so the work of jesus and in this world our testimony actually there's powerful news in that because if we've experienced the reality of god we can testify to that and that is i think at the heart of the question of what is truth is how do we know it to be true Because wisdom is proved right by her actions. And so a life lived transformed by the gospel is captivating, where one that just says, I believe this or I ascribe to this set of doctrine or information isn't as inviting. So it sounds like your approach would be getting to know people's story. What are some of the challenges when somebody comes to the table and says, hey, this is my story and... For me, truth is completely subjective. You know, a very common term is, I've got my truth, and my truth is good for me. And whatever truth you have is good for you. If a young adult came to you and said, hey, this is my truth, that's your truth, Jesus is great, but I'm not going to follow him, what would your response look like? Well,
1: maybe I could explain by uh, telling you a recent story. So yes. we were we were gathered, there are about 20, 25 of us on campus. We're having Alpha. We're helping to lead Alpha film series. And uh, one of the guys from India has been very curious as to who we are, what we believe. And he's been kind of hanging out with us the last month. And about two weeks ago, after our Alpha session, our friend from India, he just stuck around. And we started sharing about the good things that had happened and so on. And all of a sudden, we were about to wrap it up, and and he said, can I say something? And he said, he put it like this. He said, I'm surrounded by frustration and by hurt and by anger, and and I come into this room, and all I sense is this love and this joy that you guys have, and I really want that. God is clearly at work in his life. He's seeing something and experiencing something even that he's not experienced before, And, and so you know how does jesus measure up against uh his background well he's beginning to find out you know and uh so we're hoping and praying for our friend from india and many others you know that they'll embrace this jesus of uh life and joy you know th- that we know and
2: adore sounds like the way forward is expressing what you've experienced and so you know as we see culturally Christians being more marginalized now I'm not going to say like we're persecuted in North America or Canada because we're not we have our religious freedom but as we see many Christians being more marginalized to the outskirts what do you think about that message right so what about the life lived as the Christian is what the secular non-believer whether they're atheist or they belong to another faith what is the standout what is the longing for? Maybe that, like you're saying, this uh, friend from India, he's not even aware of it until he encounters it. What are those pieces that young adults are, are craving, but they don't even know they're craving?
1: Yeah, um, can I go back to something you said earlier? Absolutely. You were talking about uh, wisdom. I kind of subscribe to this idea that wisdom is proven by her children. In other words, uh, what is the results of the the wisdom that you subscribe to. How has faith truly impacted you? How has it made a difference in your life? I mean, with what we say and how we actually live, when those match, uh, what's the fruit of our faith, you know? So, for me, you know, that's always been huge because my parents divorced when I was 12. Dad sadly walked away from a marriage of 12 years. I have two younger brothers, so the three of us, I was the oldest in the house. But mom, one thing mom did is she took us to a church faithfully. And unlike what happens in some churches where, where there's divorce and so on, our church just rallied behind our family. Uh, not just my mom and, and myself, my two younger brothers, but my dad too. They loved my dad. And this was before I was fully committed to following Christ. And so I began to ask the question um, by the time I was 16, what kind of man do I want to become? And I looked at the men in my church, and these guys were faithful to their wives. They were, they were awesome, godly, righteous men who lived out what they believed in a culture where even then it wasn't you know, cool, per se, to be a, a right. Christian. And so you know, these guys made a huge difference. And so I go about ministry today in the same kind of thinking, that uh, I just hope that my relationship with my wife and with my children is laudable you know that it's mm-hmm. praiseworthy that people would look at at our family and see Jesus that's my hope you know and that they would see something tangible that is like good you know that we want some of this cuz you yeah. ask the question what what are they craving today i think they're craving family because the wisdom that they subscribe to isn't resulting in families that last and go the distance you know uh, we're seeing all kinds of marital breakdown we're seeing all kinds of Relational challenges and difficulties. We're seeing all kinds of stress, anxiety, like never, ever recorded before. And I'm saying to our friends be anxious for nothing right. in everything with prayer and supplication. Present these requests to God, and the God of peace will just mark your hearts in Christ yeah. Jesus. You know, that's the kind of thing that people are hoping and longing for. You know, a peace from, from the misery. You know, I have a, a favorite saying these days too. It says, Life is hard, but God is good. And and I have to tell you the story behind that. When we were in Russia, my boss, awesome man, his name's Andy, he came down with brain cancer. He had to step down from his position in leadership. Um, you know, he led 100 missionaries across the country. But he told the mission board, this is the IMB that I used to work for, he said, you know, God called me to Russia. Even if I have cancer, you know, will you let me live out my days to reach the Russian people for for Jesus? And he was given permission to go back to Moscow. And just to be a regular missionary just to love people and to share the gospel yet his cancer has continued to progress and so it was andy that first um, threw it out there like that to me life is hard oh but god is good and it's so worth it man what a what a huge witness you know and and so wisdom is proven by her children and i think as christians we can we can just you know take that to heart that if we walk by faith and we live for god that he's going to use us and our, our witness will shine for for yeah. him
2: yeah, and it sounds like you know even in your story that there's elements of you know you walk through something difficult and yet being able to walk that through that with christ and knowing that he's there with you it doesn't diminish that it's painful and it doesn't diminish that it's difficult and i think that is significant because i think you're right the world is suffering there is trouble. And even Jesus promises his followers, you're going to experience trouble and pain and challenge. But in the light of who I am, I want to give you a new way to live. And this way fundamentally has hope. That I think, you know, in this conversation of young adults and, and what it means to be a follower of Jesus, the questions of how do we live, the wisdom pieces are really at the heart behind I think actually even sometimes the mask of well that theology I don't agree with that view on that doctrinal issue so that view on belief I don't necessarily subscribe to or agree with as a non-believer or as a skeptic but I can get behind how you live there's this phrase that I like to use in my church context and it's this that sometimes it's less about what we teach it's more about how we live so some things are caught and some things are taught And with internet being so much information and the university campuses just being a bombardment of information, there's no deficit in knowledge. But how do we apply this knowledge to our lives that gives us hope and purpose and meaning? Uh, I was listening to a podcast this morning where the conversation was going towards, hey, we are creatures of story. And so how do we live in this world that, Obviously, there's hurt and pain and suffering and there's illness. We all, all of us in this conversation could say, we've all experienced pain. But how do we live in light of that? That is going to be the invitation where Jesus says, come follow me and I'll give you rest and I will give you new life. And that message for a generation that is plagued with anxiety, that piece of rest and belonging, and family security is huge.
0: Thanks for listening to InDoubt. We want to make sure that InDoubt is available to you in as many ways as possible. Check out our live events, Bible studies, smartphone app, and podcast available on iTunes, Spotify, and our website. If you share a passion to provide resources that engage young people with the Bible, consider partnering with InDoubt with your prayers and financial support. Go to indoubt.ca if you live in Canada or indoubt.com if you live in the U.S. Your gift of any amount helps make Indoubt possible. And now we'll return to the rest of the conversation with Kelly and Ryan.
2: I, I know, Kelly, that you're part of a number of ministries, and one of them being trying to reach the 50 most unreached university campuses with the gospel in North America. So tell us a little bit about that. What's that like and how has what we've been talking about kind of shaped or been formed by or influenced some of your work in in the 50 most unreached schools in North America? Sure,
1: yeah, thanks for, th- thanks for that invite. I uh, love to talk about, it's called the Forgotten 50. And so if you want to Google it or, uh, you know, look it up, forgotten50.com, real easy. And it's all about a study that was done about four years ago that aimed at finding which campuses, uh, all across North America, there's a little less than 7,000 campuses. So every one of these campuses were examined. And uh, what they were looking for was, is there a local church, evangelical church, somewhere close by to the campus? And then they measured the distance of that church to the campus. And then secondly, they were looking for uh, campus ministry. Is there any kind of known evangelical campus ministry, InterVarsity, uh, Power to Change, Campus Crusade for Christ, uh, you know, any of the main denominational or parachurch or, or any kind of campus ministry? And if they didn't find one then, and they examined the closest evangelical church, they came up with this equation that said, well, this particular campus is the least reached campus, and they narrowed that down to 50 of them. You know, the unique thing about this study, and not too surprising to us in Canada, but was that all 50 were located in Canada, two in BC, two in Alberta, one in Saskatchewan. They skipped Manitoba. I guess they have enough churches there. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, they um, Ontario has seven. And then the biggie, Quebec has 34 of these campuses that are the least reached campuses. Many of those are called CEGEPs which is like the Quebec idea of community college. So it's possible to go to school on one of these colleges or university campuses and, uh, and not meet a Christian, especially in Quebec. It's possible to spend your whole two, four years, however long you study on campus, and not hear the story of the hope of Christ, you know, the gospel. And uh, so, this when I first heard about it, it, it of course lit my fire because number one, we're called to reach Canadian young adults, you know, on campuses. So, number two, it's all about not just getting the gospel to the campus, but also about church planting, which mm-hmm. we've been a big part of, you know, reaching university communities. And yeah. so, it's two pronged focus is to, is to get both church plants as well as campus ministries established on all of these campuses. And they've asked me to be the co-leader. My lead responsibility is everything outside of Quebec. Okay, okay. (laughs) So the Maritimes, Ontario and onward. And I'm building bridges and relationships with key leaders and many different groups like InterVarsity and others uh, to uh, help build partnerships. And one of the things that we want to see happen here in BC is to find Quebecois or French speakers here that would go with us to Quebec on, on mission trips and to begin to reach out to these campuses and uh, figure out what's going on and how to reach them. They're called the Forgotten 50 because even though for many of the campuses we know about them, they tend to be smaller and they tend to be not on, on the radar of most of our campus minister people. Even myself, the two that are in, in BC, I knew of them, but not once in the 20 years or so that we've lived here in Western Canada uh, have I given focus to those two campuses here in BC, not once. They're the forgotten 50. And so we've got to do a better job of of reaching out to these campuses. And yeah, I'm thrilled with this approach. So we're building partnerships with everybody and trying to figure out ways to get people onto the campus so we can bring the hope of life the gospel to the students.
2: So what would be one of the ways that you would do that? Like what would be the strategy behind it? Because the university is the place where ideas are tested and tried. And so I'm curious with your work in university campuses, it seems like in our culture, the mind has trumped all, right? Blaise Pascal has this quote where he says, the heart has reason that reason knows nothing of. And so behind that, and, you know, going back to what we said about story, how we're Embedded in story, we're creatures of habit. We're uh, we we long for purpose as human beings, and then recognizing that when we go to a university campus, no, no, forget the story. Let's get the data. Let's get the facts. Let's get the knowledge, and then let's understand our whole worldview in that perspective, even our faith worldview. So, how would you really rub up against that friction and say, Hey, you know what? This faith that we have is more than just an understanding of knowledge. The gospel goes beyond just an understanding. It's an embedded way of life.
1: Yeah, the Hebrew idea of soul was everything, mm-hmm. you know, heart, mind, soul, strength, the whole of man. And uh, that's hugely a need right now because you're absolutely right. I mean, with the internet, with uh, universities focusing on, on the mind, of course, uh, facts and figures, uh, it's missing Something. It's missing soul. The mm-hmm. campuses are. It's missing spirit. It's missing heart, and the merge of these three things. You know, uh, coming together to form the whole person, to inform, to change. change the whole person. You know, universities are always big to talk about change and and the significance of it and being ready for it. Da, 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 right. That. but uh, you know, at the end of the day. Unless they address the spiritual components of life, they're missing a huge, huge uh, area of vitality for every human being. So you asked earlier, what would you do, like methods, in order to get uh, the Forgotten 50 to campuses, in order to do this connection work, this networking? What's the, the first step? The first step is prayer. The other university in BC is Royal Roads University in Victoria. And so I love to go to the island whenever I get a chance, yeah. you know, it's awesome. And uh, so anyways, we're on campus. Uh, and uh, I had I'd prearranged to meet with a local church planter, a, na- a guy by the name of uh, Ashley Austin. And he's got a new associate, Dr. Mike Blackaby. We're on campus of Royal Roads University. And we determined prior that we would meet on campus to pray. And Ashley, once we get there, he says, you know, besides this being a very cool campus where they filmed X-Men, I don't know if you knew oh, that or yeah, not, that was yeah. like the school for X-Men was, awesome. was, was on the campus. He said, uh, I've been on this campus many, many times. He said, our church plant does sports camps on this campus. It was like a church choosing to use the campus, not to reach the campus, but as just a location right. for yep. them to have a very cool gathering. And so they had very successful sports camps, but it, I, I watched the light bulb turn on in Ashley when he's like, wow. So most of these students of the, you know, the four or 5,000 students that attend this campus are international students, first of all. Uh, and most of them probably haven't yet heard the gospel. And so his church plant is meeting literally like a 10 minute walk from the campus. And uh, we, we thought, well, is that a God thing or what, you know, to actually be on the campus, to have bridges. And then he realized, I've got three people in my congregation, my new church plant, they're on staff or involved oh, yeah. in some capacity on, on the campus. And so we're just watching prayer begin to open up opportunities and doors. And the same is true right across the country. We have this thing called the Forgotten Friday Prayer Text. And so it's a weekly prayer text. We have about 250 people that have subscribed to it so far. And it's like a paragraph, you know, this is what's going on right now. Like just the one that came out this last Friday was, there's a guy in, I think he's in Provo, Utah. And he had a friend that lives in Ottawa and that there's several campuses in Ottawa, also into Quebec, their hall uh, area and the Forgotten Fifty. And so these guys linked up and said, we're going to figure out ways to get to those Forgotten Fifty campuses. I'm going to help from Utah and uh, and, you know, and he's going to work with a campus minister, a friend of ours uh, in, in Ottawa. So isn't that cool, you know? And the first thing that we do is we pray. So we asked all 250 people on this prayer list to pray for this relationship, that it would be fruitful, that God would use it to impact uh, life. So that's the first place we begin prayer. But you know, a lot of people come to us and, and they want a pre-programmed, pre-packaged, you know, like how much is this going to cost me? Uh, give me or, the facts. Yeah, give where, me the data. Where am I going to stay and so forth? And you know, the forgotten 50 are forgotten. Because there is no infrastructure, you know, it's kind of like, you know, if we take a group from BC and uh, we hope to next year in like May or sometime around then, and we get to Quebec, um, we're going to have to find all that out on our own, you know, like it's not, there's no churches near the campuses that we're going to go explore. And what are we going to do once we get onto those campuses? We're not going to like start alpha immediately, you know, I mean, who knows if there's even a Christian on these campuses, what we're going to do is, is we're going to pray. We're going to ask God to show up. We're going to ask God to give us uh, these uh, you know, divine appointments, mm-hmm. and we're going to look for where the Lord is at work, and we're going to hope that uh, we can latch on to that and to help fan the flame a little bit. And then if we come back, you know, that we'll be able to start from where we come to and then see that progress. You know? So that's kind of the idea.
2: Yeah, it's cool. It sounds like there's a lot of positive happening. And, uh, you know, it sounds like the church at large is grateful to have you and your ministry uh, active and engaged. I think this approach is beautiful because there's an aspect of going into somebody else's territory and asking to be present. And be like, hey, how can I learn from you? And what I mean by this is even Jesus in John chapter 4 has this conversation with a woman at a well. And I love that Jesus asks this woman for something. Right? I love that Jesus doesn't just go in and say, hey, I have all the answers. Let me download it to you. And let me just give you the quick and easy out. He says, hey, can I have a glass of water? Can I receive something from you? And I think that posture, you know, coming back to wisdom and and a process of let me live out my life and my beliefs and let that be a light. And I think going into a university campus and praying for people, that says something. You know, praying and building relationship and like you said earlier, asking their story, hearing them out, because that is a message that in a world that's already hurting from suffering and a lack of hope and purpose needs to be modeled. And so thank you, Kelly, for your work that you're doing. I think it's incredible. And thank you for being here with us today on In Doubt. Uh, I definitely look forward to having you on here again. I want to say thanks, too. It's a real pleasure to be with you. That was a conversation with Kelly Muneer. I hope that you were able to engage with this content in a compelling way, to recognize that how we live is impacted by what we believe, and that we live in a world where there are people longing for the wisdom to know how to live out life with purpose and with hope. So if you're listening to this and you are a follower of Jesus, remember that your story matters and your story counts if you want to connect with kelly and the work that he is doing you can go to forgotten50.com and we would love to connect with you and so you can reach us at indoubt.ca or check out our instagram indoubtca and we would like to hear from you if you have any thoughts or questions that you would like us to engage with on indoubt my name is ryan mccurdy thanks for joining us make sure you tune in next week
0: Indoubt Ministries exists to bring a biblical perspective into the relevant issues of life, faith, and culture that young adults face every day. For more information, check out indoubt.ca if you live in Canada and indoubt.com if you live in the U.S.